Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, this is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I am Matt Williamson. As we do every Thursday, we are going to break down tonight's game. Could be a good one. Could be a good one. The Chargers are a better team than their record indicates, as we talked about yesterday on the Power Ranks. If you didn't listen to the Power Ranks, highly recommend you go back and do that. Uh, also, I highly recommend you check out Locked On Broncos, Locked On Chargers before tonight's game, and they will go even more in depth on this game and look at it from a couple different angles than I am, I'm sure. And then every Thursday is also Twitter Thursday, so I will be fielding a bunch of your call or a bunch of your tweets and questions from the last 24 hours or so. I'm at Williamson NFL. I hope most of you follow me there. I'm very active on Twitter. I'll do my best to answer you guys' questions. And Twitter Thursday has been a big success of late. So let's get into tonight's game, though. You know, I mentioned the Chargers. You know, they're they actually have a positive. Uh, point differential. They only have one win. They can't finish. They're snake bitten. They're cursed. They're losers. I don't know. Whatever you want to chokers. Whatever. Insert adjective here. Um, actually heard some rumblings that they should trade Philip Rivers. Start over. I don't know about that. I'm a big, big Rivers fan. As you guys know, I think he's a deserved Hall of Famer. I think he's the most underrated player of this generation. I think he's playing amazing football right now as all his cohorts fall around him. It hasn't slowed him down. He's still playing at a very high level. Um, so let's start there. That When San Diego has the ball, you know, only one team in the league has scored more points than the Chargers. Uh, that's flabbergasting, honestly. I mean, without you know, without Allen, without Woodhead, but this is obviously a very, very tough challenge. Even though it's at home, tough challenge for Rivers for sure. Um, the book, and I told you guys about this even before it happened. The book on how to attack the Broncos' defense is is pretty clear now, and the and the Falcons writ, wrote it, uh, you know, even further was. Stay in your base or heavy personnel. A lot of fullbacks, a lot of tight ends, you know, not a lot of wide receivers on the field. And San Diego can do that. Hunter Henry's playing very, very well. I expect him really to basically never leave the field in this game. Him, Gates, you know, they have a fullback now. Uh, Maybe you'll see a lot more heavy personnel. And the reason for doing that is you don't want Denver's sub package to come on the field because they're passing personnel on defense is just better football players than their base down guys. You know, you can attack that interior triangle, their two inside linebackers, and the nose tackle, and also not having Malik Jackson has been been a detriment. You know, in in that regard too. But the the biggest thing Den- or Atlanta did was they isolated their running backs, most notably Tevin Coleman, on Denver's linebackers in coverage, and really really struggled against Tevin Coleman. Can Gordon do that? I have my doubts. I don't think it'll be nearly as effective. 
You would love to have seen Woodhead in this situation. I think he would just carve these guys up as a receiver. They do have Dexter McCluster, and he's done very little since being added to the team. Is this when you unleash Dexter, Dexter McCluster? Maybe. I mean, at least it's something to talk about. Get him in there um, and, and try to isolate him on the linebackers. Maybe. You know, it's just something to keep an eye on tonight. But Melvin Gordon's getting a ton of touches. I know you have him on your fantasy team and you're thrilled with him. And I do think he's taken a big step forward from a year ago as a runner in general. Uh, but I think it's also noteworthy. Their last three games were against the Colts, Saints, and Raiders. I mean, not a murderer's row of run defenses or defenses in general. And Gordon really hasn't done all that much. I mean, he's getting volume, but he's not churning out, you know, a lot on a per-carry basis at all. And tonight's going to be really difficult, too. I mean, I mentioned that the, the weakness of the Denver defense, but it's still a great, great defense. Let's not sell them short. And the, the Chargers receivers have a very, very difficult matchup. You know, th those corners remain very, very good. Um, certainly the receivers have exceeded expectations since Allen went down. But again, these matchups are really, really tough. So I don't see a ton of points from San Diego. And, and you know, Rivers will have to be phenomenal. I think he'll be under a lot of pressure. Uh, pretty sure of it. You know, they have really good edge pass rushers, of course. Um, how about when Denver has the ball? Simeon's going to be back. And the Chargers, they don't rush the passer all that well. Really banged up at the cornerback position. You know, Flowers and Verrett are out. Plus, they're not real big there to begin with. That's not great against Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders. And Emmanuel Sanders has more or less become the one there. And Demarius has become the two. Um, they, I am interested to watch more of Joey Bosa. Maybe he can, you know, boost that pass rush. Um, but a huge thing here is... Stevenson, the right tackle, returns. And boy, were they bad at right tackle when he was out. So that's huge. They also get Virgil Green back tonight. Pretty sure both guys are playing. Virgil Green comes back tonight. Good blocker. Good all-around player. He was missed as well. Um, I, I think he can have success against these San Diego linebackers and safeties as well. Um, we're seeing more of Booker. You know, he's cutting into Anderson's carries a lot. Um, and there's there's some merit to that. Uh, Anderson hasn't been great of late. You wonder if he's 100%. I know they do like Booker. Booker fits the system really well. Hand-picked for this reason. Uh, real interested to see if that continues. You know, if, if we're going to see a more of a spike in, you know, production, time, carries for Booker. Uh, but San Diego's run defense used, was a sieve last year. It's much, much better this year. Um, but they are allowing quite a bit uh, through the air to opposing running backs. And I wouldn't say Booker or uh, Anderson are particularly adept or uh, not bad either as receivers. But neither one's a mismatch type receiver against these linebackers. In the end, I'm going to take Denver. I think they rebound from a tough loss. They're just the better team. I do have San Diego higher on my power ranks, which I urge you to check out. Uh, than you probably would guess. Um, and I do think they're a better team than the record indicates. But Denver's, this isn't a good matchup for them. And today's Locked On NFL is brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, download the mobile app for the easiest way to buy your tickets. And the promo code is LO, as in Locked On, 
NFL. That's me. L-O-N-F-L. And that gives you 20 bucks off your first purchase. I've told you guys a lot about SeatGeek, and they've been with us for a while now. I'm a big fan. I've told you my buddies use it all the time. They go down to Steeler games. They tailgate. They party it up. They, they've set their app, so it's very, very mobile-friendly. You set your app with these price alerts that, hey, uh, this is the about the range of ticket I'm looking for. Maybe I don't want to sit in peanut heaven, and I'm willing to pay X amount. And then your phone lights up at some point and says, hey, there's one available. All right, sign me up. Buy it right there on your phone. Take your phone, hand it to the ticker takers at, you know, Heinz Field or wherever you're at. And you're in. So it's a really good opportunity. The The prices fluctuate as it gets closer to the game. People aren't going. Then they go down, I would imagine, as you, you know, getting ready to go into the game. So that's the price alerts that they have offering. So it's a pretty good deal. And, you know, they, they rate every ticket from 1 to 100 to kind of tell you what sort of bang for your buck you're getting. You know, so that makes a lot of sense, too. I mean, if, if you don't want terrible seats or... Uh, <laughs> Mario Lemieux last year in Pittsburgh, my buddy and I, we didn't have any money. Uh, we bought a 15 game package for 225 bucks each, 15 game bucks a seat. And we basically sat right behind a huge piece of concrete, a giant concrete thing that we had to like bend around or hope some people in our section didn't show up and move there. So that won't happen to you with, with, with these guys, with SeatGeek, because you know, they do rate them. So that's very important. Again, use the promo code LONFL. My buddies are really happy with this. I'm sure I would be using it like crazy, too, if I could go to games. But I am glued to my couch on game day. And next time I do a concert or something along those lines, I will certainly use the app as well. As promised, Twitter Thursday. I sound like Ross Tucker on that one. Not on t- not on purpose. But here we go. I have quite a few here. I have some good ones. You guys uh, you guys have good questions, I will say. Although I don't pick the ones that are crappy. Rubilicious. Rubilicious is very active with me on Twitter. Uh, Ruby Len- Les Emma. I apologize if I didn't say your name correctly. But you're still always Rubilicious to me. What are your thoughts on Corderell Patterson? What do you think about him coming out of school? Uh, like many, I was very enamored with Corderell Patterson coming out of school. And I urge you, this isn't the way you scout guys, but go to YouTube and find Corderell Patterson's college highlight tape. It's unbelievable. And I remember him even, you know, when I was working at ESPN, he was in the league for about a year, or might even been his rookie year. And they asked me to write an article of who are the most dangerous people in the league with the football in their hands. And I picked, you know, a wide variety. Guys like Adrian Peterson, because he'll run you over. Um, Percy Harvin at the time, I think, was on the list. You know, and Cordero Patterson was too, although he was highly unproven. He's a special, special player with the ball in his hands. Um, But there's obviously major reasons why he hasn't done anything on the offense. He's been a very good special teamer and returner. He doesn't know what he's doing, or they don't trust him, or whatever. Clearly, he is getting a little bit of a bigger role, though. And that's really encouraging to me. And something I've mentioned a couple times about the Vikings is, let's just say that Cordero Patterson, or their first-round pick Treadwell, steps up and fulfills their immense potential for the second half of the season. This offense, all of a sudden, is humming. And if you get one more guy like that, 
a difference maker. And and they're really going out of their way to give Patterson more and more snaps, get the ball in his hands. Looks like he's doing more pure wide receiver things than gimmick. It used to be Patterson comes walking on the field, the whole defense, alert, 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 Patterson's going to get the ball in a reverse or a bubble screen or some sort of gimmick play because he's not just going to beat us with a an out route or, you know, or a clean post. You know, he he's, needs to get his ball. You have to manufacture ways to get him the ball. Maybe that's changing, and that's all I'm going to say about that. That's Maybe that's changing. That would be fantastic if it is. It could be a difference maker, a game changer for the Vikings. Harrison Slater asks, who are your top five safeties in the league right now? I came up with seven names off the top of my head. I hope I'm not missing anybody. And I still think Earl Thomas is number one. I think Earl Thomas has taken over the mantle from Troy Polamalu and especially Ed Reed, just because he's more of an Ed Reed type player than he is a Polamalu type safety, as the league's premier safety on a Hall of Fame pace. I think Earl Thomas is a pretty easy Hall of Famer. Plays a couple more years. He's been on the best defense in the league for, what, four years in a row. Um, Been to Super Bowls, been to Pro Bowls. Uh, He hasn't shown up quite as much this year, I would say, but I have no doubts about Earl Thomas. Uh, To me, he's clearly number one. Still, he's the champ. He's the king. Um, After that, I think it's pretty clear that Harrison Smith for the Vikes, back-to-back kind of Viking questions here, is the next best player, and he is thriving in the prime of his career potentially is even the best Viking defensive player overall. And and Earl Thomas might be the best Seahawks defensive player. In fact, he probably is. Um, So he's number two for me. And they use him in a variety of ways. He's a big-bodied guy. He can play near the line of scrimmage. He can stop the run. He can play cover two. You won't see him a lot as a total single high safety, but he can handle that. The other five names I mentioned are Eric Weddle, who has very much revived his career in Baltimore. Jenkins for the Eagles, who's a former first-round pick corner turned safety that'll come down and cover slot receivers and play man coverage against wideouts. Uh, Sort of an unknown guy is Rashad Jones from the terrible Dolphins team right now, but he's really a good player and playing extremely well. Physical guy. The... The player that probably doesn't quite yet belong, but I think is the next great one, is in Dallas, Byron Jones. Crazy, crazy athletic. Um, almost as much corner as he is safety. I think he could be a bigger honey badger in some ways. I mean, I didn't include honey badger on this. I caught, caught him more of a corner, by the way. So there's a reason he's not on here. And the last one is McCordy in, in New England. You know, and he's more of the... He's also a former first-round pick corner turned safety, and you're seeing a lot more of that, which makes sense. I mean, as much as coverage is asked to these guys, defenses are getting smaller, athletic, safeties are turning, or corners are turning into safeties, safeties are turning into linebackers. You see the trend here. Um, He's really good, too. I mean, kind of in charge of this offense. Uh, A good coverage player, good, probably better away from the line of scrimmage than he is near it, but very versatile. So of those five, I mean, Earl's one, Harrison Smith is two, Jenkins, Weddle, Jones, Jones, McCordy. I think Byron Jones I would probably leave out of the top five, but ready to crack it. Then maybe I'll leave Rashad Jones out of there. But 
but close. I mean, it, it, it's those are the top guys in my opinion. Matt Kittle, if you had to pick just one factor, what is the Panthers' biggest issue that is causing them to struggle so much this, so far? I don't think it's one thing. And I urge you to go check that Twitter timeline. I wrote a pretty extensive article about four or five major things. And they're asking too much of Cam. Tackle play has been poor. Jonathan Stewart being out has been huge. The receivers haven't stepped up to help these situations, even though there's a lot of talent there. Don't get enough pass rush from their true defensive ends in their 4-3. Secondary overall is is bad. I mean, it's young. It's There's no money or resources in it, and that's showing up too. With So it's all the above. And they're not quick fixes, but they do get Stewart back. They get Newton back. You know, their tackles were bad last year, and they won. They went 15-1. and won. You know, their defensive ends were okay, you know, but they're taking a step back there. Um, secondary still worries me. You know, like if you were to ask me what's the one that's most unlikely to correct itself or to get any better, I would say the secondary, you know. And that's the way they design things. And it, it has worked very well over the last couple of years. But who? Luke Unlin. Hey, Williamson NFL, you're the only person I've ever tweeted Hope that you're honored. I am honored. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of foreign to me. I mean, obviously our situations are a little different, but I send about 25 tweets out a day. Um, no offense, Luke, but maybe more people are interested in what I have to tweet than you. I'm not ripping on you, but maybe that has something to do with it. But very cool that I am your first. Popped your cherry. Does anyone have the personnel to stop both Pat's tight ends? And I assume what he's saying is, when Bennett and Gronk are right with Brady orchestrating this offense, who can line up against those guys? And nobody comes to mind. I mean, they really don't. I mean, who is... Maybe Carolina. I mean, I'm trying to think of really good coverage linebackers, strong safety types. You know, I just mentioned a lot of those safeties that I love. But all those guys are going to be 70 pounds lighter than these tight ends. <laughs> I mean, 70 pounds lighter. That's a problem, especially in the red zone or, you know... You know, just shielding them away from their body. That's the thing is these guys, the beauty of these tight ends is when Bennett and Gronk are on the field, say you have one back and two receivers, you know, usually a slot type guy in Edelman. Well, what kind of personnel do you put out there against that? You know, if, if you're just in your base, those two are so versatile that Brady will, you know, split them out wide, especially when Deion Lewis is in the game or White. You know, you can go empty then against a base 3-4 or 4-3, and somebody's going to be guarding a, a receiving running back or a very good receiving tight end that is not equipped to. Some sort of linebacker or two is going to be a problem. And then the other way is a problem, too. You know, like, let's say Denver comes out in their dime package against that, you know, because like we said earlier, and you'll see it tonight, that their passing game defense has better football players than their, you know, their base defense. So great, okay, you come out there with six defensive backs, three safeties, three corners, and you still have those great edge pass rushers. But then you got little people trying to guard really big people. That's a problem. And then you see Brady put Bennett and Gronk side by side and make a heavy formation to the right or left, or put them both, you know, uh, on the opposite side, on the outside of their respective right and left tackles. And then you have basically a seven-man offensive line against six defensive backs and five bigger dudes. You know, so there really isn't an answer. And they're not the only team in the league that does these things. 
but they're unique because they have two tight ends that are very similar. They're from the same mold. The size is just a huge advantage. And, yeah, honestly, Gronk's presented these problems for years anyways. He's the best tight end that's ever lived, in my opinion. All respect to Tony Gonzalez. Um, but there's, there hasn't been an answer for Gronk since day one. <laughs> there just isn't. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe if you had a Jamie Collins, who's also a Patriot, so that doesn't happen, type of defensive player, or I'm sure Luke Keekley could do well with him if you leave. The, I mean, I'm just talking about pure one-on-one. You got him, you know, in the backyard type situation. You know, you'd have to be a bigger guy that's a freak athlete, and, you know, maybe Keekley, maybe Collins, those type of players might do fine against him. Harrison Smith might be able to hang with him. You know, some are going to hang with him, but he's a nightmare. Um, who would you say are the top five offense and defensive rookies so far? This is from Sylvester Valderrama. I don't have a list. And I guess I just wasn't prepared. I'm slacking. But the offensive ones are very easy. Fuller, Shepard, absolutely Elliott, absolutely the two quarterbacks, Prescott and Wentz. Um, I think the two quarterbacks and Elliott would be at the very top of the list. Howard from the Bears is starting to show up for sure. Um, the only tight end that comes to mind is Henry, and he's playing really well. We'll watch him tonight. But the defensive rookies, I need you guys to help me with this one. Tweet me some who you think the best defensive rookie is right now. Because I even wrote these articles over the offseason, you know, Predict the, the Rookie of the Year's. And, well, I basically said, Zeke Elliott's going to win the Rookie of the Year. And you can have everybody else. I'll take Zeke Elliott. And, you know, Wentz is obviously exceeding expectations. N- myself and nobody else saw Prescott coming. Um, so I still feel pretty confident about that. Although, you know, Wentz and Fuller and those guys have very, very strong arguments. And Wentz probably is the leader in the clubhouse right now. He's a quarterback. But even in the, in the offseason, I didn't know who to pick for you know, my prediction for defensive rookie of the year. I thought about Bosa, thought about Miles Jack. I actually thought about Hargraves in, in Tampa because I figured he'd get a lot of targets his way and he was really good in the preseason. I'm struggling with this defensive class and it's not that it's a bad defensive class, but who's the standout defensive rookies this year that you look at and say, boy, he's going to be a star for years and years. And I'm not sure they've really unearthed themselves yet. So I'm going to skip around this one just a little. Um, But I want you guys to tweet me at Williamson NFL. Who are the top defensive rookies right now? I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but who are the studs? I mean, who's the guy that, yeah, not that, boy, he's seen the field and he's helping out. But boy, this guy has a chance to be awesome. And I'm not coming up with one off the top of my head. Steel Buckeye asked me, this is our last question we're going to do today. If Ladarius Green plays for the Steelers this year, and it sounds promising that he will come back, how much more would expand their offensive attack? Might become unstoppable. And kind of like we were talking about with the Patriots, there's no right answer for the Steelers offense right now anyways. I mean, Bell creates so much problems. You can't leave Brown one-on-one. Coates is lighting up one-on-one coverage with deep, big plays. Roethlisberger's playing great. And James has been fine as a tight end as well. Um, but I think Ladarius Green was brought in for this reason. Is I'm thinking as the steel think as those around you think, as I so often tell you, is Godfather is something that you absolutely need to know. 
Um, think as those around you think. And that's really the most important thing in my job is trying to decipher what the NFL decision makers are thinking at the time. And I think what the Steelers thought with this signing, which was kind of an un-Steeler-like signing, was we've had the Heath Millers and Bruners and inline guys that you know are good, really good players, but we need to catch up with the times a little bit and find a detachable, movable chess piece that can stretch the field. You know, I'm 43 years old. I've lived my whole life basically in, in Pittsburgh, and I've never seen a tight end that can stretch the field. That's fast. I mean, that's going to outrun people right down the seam, you know, like Jimmy Graham used to, you know, or Jordan Reed can do it, you know. Ladarius Green's capable of doing that. But I also think the main reasoning for going out and doing this was they knew Martavis Bryant was going to be suspended. A lot of their other receivers they were counting on are smaller guys, Wheaton, A.B., those type of players, that they needed to find more vertical speed and size no matter how they did it with their receiving core. And Coates is filling in really well there, but I think Green factored in with that too. Is We know Ben's a deep thrower. We can't lose our deep element. If we can get a deep aspect out of our tight end, that would be gigantic. Plus red zone, you know, Miller was really good in the red zone all those years. You need a bigger body at times, and I think Green can go up and get it. Um, but who knows? <laughs> That's the thing, is he hasn't done anything yet. And is he going to be ready? How much is he going to contribute? Does he know the offense? Does Ben trust him? James has played well. The rest of the tight ends have stepped up too. So it might be some time, but I think that's why they signed him. You know, it's an uncharacteristic move. You know, Steelers got and signed somebody that's a kind of a big name. And, you know, they obviously had a plan in place. They weren't just doing it because they felt like it, you know, just out of a whim. Um, but I think he can be a difference maker. I mean, for all those reasons. Guys, this has been fun. As always, tomorrow we I will pick every game. Um, I urge you to check out the rest of the Locked On Network. Thanks again to SeatGeek. Check out them. Use our, our promo code, L-O-N-F-L. And it's been, a, it's been a blast. All right, guys. Take care. Let me know on Twitter who that defensive stud rookie is. I might be missing somebody, but, man, I don't see a very good class of difference makers.